This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Well, after a couple of shutout victories, the Edmonton Oilers beaten in preseason action tonight, falling 5-1 to the Winnipeg Jets. Post-game comments, here's head coach Dave Tippett. Uh, your assessment, Dave, you had a pretty much a, a young, you know, Bakersfield lineup tonight. You didn't have too many players who might be on your team. Start yeah, it was uh, it was thin, but that's opportunity for people, and you see what you know what people do with that opportunity, and it you know as your games go on here, people start to separate themselves, and you're looking for some improvement in some, just how players play in situations. Uh, funny we lost big, but I thought both our goaltenders were fine tonight. That's good. We, didn't, point, we didn't protect them very well. Yeah, I was going to point that out. A lot of the goals were either deflections or strange ones, and I thought actually Conovello played Conovalo. Yeah, they played, played very well. Very well. Played well. They one good deflection, the other one bounced off, I think, our guy's head or something. So, uh, you know, one of those nights, but we didn't create very much. We didn't make enough plays, and that's what you're looking at. You're looking for players that handle pressure, can make plays under pressure, uh, how they how they react in certain situations, and some guys go up and some guys go down. That's just where we are in training camp. Borgo, uh, he was good in Calgary. He didn't look like he was as noticeable. Yeah, the the penalties, he, he had a little bit of power play time in the first, didn't get much ice time, and then I switched a couple lines in the late in the second and third, and he was he was around the puck. So he was, uh, he's not scared to make plays. He, he wants the puck on a stick, so he's not a big guy yet. He's got some growing to do, but... Uh, you could tell he's, he's not scared to play at this level. Tyler Benson's game, what'd you think? Uh, worked hard, worked hard, but uh, kind of like the rest of our whole group didn't get much accomplished. And Cody Cece's first game, is that what you would expect from a, especially a defenseman who's, he can't get in on the forecheck and pound anybody. He's well, a defenseman. It's, yeah, it's, it's, that's a hard game to evaluate. Or, you know, we're, we didn't carry a lot of the play, so it's, we'll, uh, we'll, continue to the evaluation I wasn't really watching CC tonight I'm trying to there's some players we're trying to figure out where they fit in the whole situation here Dave I'm wondering how far do you go into training camp before you sort of switch modes from looking and assessing to the let's get sharp mode how far do you go Saturday okay <laughs> so whatever that is three days four days so that's enough time for your younger players and yeah. we've got we've got two more games we play friday night and saturday afternoon and then we'll uh we'll be down close to our team by sunday dave your long goal on the night uh warren fogel and zach casting combined on a four check is that just a glimpse of what they can do together on the line let's hope so they're big strong guys you know they hard on pucks go to the net hard so First kind of glimpse, yeah, a little bit like CC. First glimpse of Fogel tonight, but it's uh, uh, you know we'll get a we'll get a better indication as a, as exhibition exhibition goes on. But those two big guys were expecting guys that go hard in that big heavy guys that can play in hard situations. So um, you know their their game will continue to grow hopefully. Coach, how much changes when you don't look down on the bench and see 29.97 there? Is it a full game plan that? goes out the window or is it uh, just looking no, at no, these, these games are, these games are different you're 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 trying to put people in places where they can show what best they can do you're not you're not thinking about guys that aren't in the lineup you're trying to think about what the guys you have in the lineup are going to do so you're trying to trying to put them in some position to see where they react and and some of it's offensively some of it's defensively and try to get a read on players and so you're not you're not thinking about who's not in the lineup with her. You're thinking about the ones that are. In exhibitions with with uh, young players and, and players who played in Bakersfield, are they as a coach? Do you do you look at it like you're going to cut yourself? I mean, I'm not going to cut you. It, it, you have to keep playing well every game, or or you know you just can't make the team. Well, players players dictate who <laughs> play. It's you know, coach has a decision and management has a decision on players, but ultimately. 
I've never seen a coach or a manager cut somebody that really deserves to be there. So uh, we're trying to get the best team we possibly can. We're trying to ice the best players we possibly can. So uh, the players go out. They dictate that by their play. Is there anybody else that you liked at forward? Any of the younger players or anybody like that that you said? Oh, uh, well, we'll, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll digest that game for a little bit. We got a day off tomorrow. I think everybody, we've been going pretty hard, so everybody gets a day off tomorrow, and then we'll regroup for Friday. Thank you. Thank you. This concludes tonight's media availability. Thanks, guys. Thanks, All right, that's Dave Tippett, head coach of the Edmonton Oilers. After the Oilers fall 5-1 to the Winnipeg Jets, Brad Malone with the only goal for Edmonton tonight. It came late in the second period. Zach Cassian got the assist. It was uh, Winnipeg in control for most of the night, especially in the first period. They outshot the Oilers 15-4, finished with a 28-18 advantage for the evening. Thanks a lot for tuning in. We are in the Friesen Brothers Broadcast Center along with Rob Brown. I'm Reid Wilkins for Heartland Ford overtime open line so Tippett did say games Friday games Saturday probably down to pretty close to the team on Sunday going into the final preseason games you got uh, a look at some guys tonight obviously expectations vary from player to player and I think we knew going into the game Rob that Winnipeg should win if they if they played near to their potential but I mean look Fogel and Cassian are going to be on the Oilers so I, I thought they had a good night it was good to see Fogel in an Oilers uniform and you got a sense of what he can do yeah he's very straight ahead physical goes to the hard areas in around the net will create havoc um, I, I mean obviously first preseason game long way to go before he's in mid-season form having said that you got a glimpse of the type of player he is and he playing with Cassian very similar that way and uh, whether they go with uh, a young speedy player like McLeod or a seasoned veteran like Derek Ryan uh, they the center will know that for those two players to be successful get the puck in deep don't be pretty in the neutral zone let them work down below the goal line and that's where they'll be successful but uh, they were by far the two best forwards on the ice for the Edmonton Oilers and and just looking through their lineup it, it was a lot of the veterans you know also Sevier up front again had another strong game uh is see he's just on a PTO is he not yep. so he's a guy that's I mean not even looking to uh, make the Oilers he's looking to get a contract whether it's in the minors or here uh, but again a veteran that uh, is not overwhelmed by playing a good Winnipeg Jet team he just went out there and did his thing, and you could see the confidence in his game. Goaltending for the Oilers. Either guy, none of the four guys actually had allowed a goal through the first two games. Ilya Konovalov played the first half of the game, a little over half the game. Stopped 16 out of 19. Skinner came in, stopped 7 out of 9. These guys are going to be in the American Hockey League. I, I mean, I don't look at this game and say it was a sloppy goaltending performance nope. by the Oilers' net miners. Actually, I thought Konovalov made a couple of... Big saves. Really good saves. Yep. Had one weird goal go in. Again, still relatively early for, for these guys. And you just hope they, they play a lot in the AHL. They push each other and and they get into the AHL postseason where, where the games are going to mean something. Yeah, I, I thought both were fine in the hockey game tonight. Uh, they faced uh, the majority of the grade-A scoring chances. And we're watching here the show and highlights of the game. You know, the, the one goal goes off uh, a Winnipeg Jet face shield in the net another one hits Bouchard in the foot and turns into a backdoor wide open net for the Winnipeg Jets best goal scorer Connors so these are ones that the goalies had absolutely no chance on uh I, I liked what Dave Tippett talked about when he, when he was honest when do you uh, start thinking about preparing for the season Saturday that's when all our young kids are going home that's when our minor league kids are done and, and what we've seen in the last number of years in the NHL once they started adding the, the extra point in for overtimes, is how close the playoff race is every year. So coaching staffs are now under the... Uh, they, they know the importance of the first two, three, five, eight games of the season. So if that means your last four exhibition games is now just preparation for the start of the year, that's what you have to do. Get down to your numbers. Get down to something manageable that you can put in systems. You can put in specialty teams. Your players start playing consistently in practice and preseasons together so that when they get into the regular season, the first three or four games aren't a feeling out 
process they are ready to go because those important those points are so important when you're in a division race when you're in a conference race uh, the difference between a playoff spot and not might be two points winning the division or not might be three points so you got to be ready to start the season all right five one the jets take it uh tonight xavier borgo who uh, he had some good look. Yep. First first round pick. He's he's a, he's still at least a, at least a couple of mm-hmm. years away from the NHL. He'll go back to uh, to junior this year. You see little glimpses in a game mm-hmm. like this. Sometimes it's little glimpses, but you see the offensive awareness, the 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 comfort controlling the puck in the, in the offensive zone. I mean, Rob, we, even at this level, sometimes you can tell the players who. Oh my God! I got the puck in, a, mm-hmm. in in an offensive area. What do I do now? He seemed okay. He made a nice uh, net drive, hit the the side of a net on a back end. So you see little glimpses of the potential there. Well, it, I, as you're saying that, I'm looking down through the the lineup the others had there tonight. Uh, there might be, you know, up front three players that you would think when they have the puck on the stick are going to do something special with it. The majority of the players the others had in the lineup are guys that are going to work hard, play in your bottom six forwards, get pucks in deep. Uh, their goals are going to be ones that they take six whacks when the puck's in the crease. Eventually, they drive the goalie, the player, and the puck all in the net at the same time. So when the puck is on a Borgo's stick, he's a guy that when he eventually makes the NHL, as we all hope he does, it'll be in a top six position. It'll be a guy that's going to create plays, that's going to score goals. So when he has the puck on his stick, he looks more comfortable. Now, there's all kinds of other parts of his game that he's going to have to improve on, but guys that are drafted high, guys that have success, whether it's in college or junior, as as goal scorers or playmakers, the easy part when they get to the National Hockey League is when the puck's on their stick Uh because that's where they're comfortable. And that's what we saw Burgo in the games that we've seen him play. Uh, When he had the puck on his stick, you noticed him. When it wasn't on his stick, you know, he's not as noticeable. But that's the part of his game he's going to continue to improve on. Uh, Bouchard has played all three games to this point. Um, in, in all, if I'm going to be completely honest, I think his best game was his first game, and I think he's gone downhill a little bit. And uh, I and I just said it with Bob in the post game with him. I I, I, th- I worry when you start heaping praise and potential expectations on a young player. We all know. I mean, everyone was screaming and crying to get Bouchard in the lineup last year. Right. The kid has got unlimited potential. He's got a slap shot that I I wish I could have just taken one of those once in my life, let alone for him to do it 10 to 15 times a game. Uh, The kid is going to be a very good NHL pro, but when you continue to uh, heap all of this pressure on him, and he, okay, he's going to be a, a game changer for us. He's going to be this. He's going to be here. This is a guy that's yet to play regular in the National Hockey League. And you just it just adds the pressure to him to come in and expect that he has to do something special every time he touches the puck. And then that's dangerous because then you start making plays that aren't there. Uh, for me, it's be simple with him. All right, go out, play your game. And if you play well, well, then you'll play next game. And we'll figure it out that way. But I don't, I don't like the fact that they're putting so much added pressure because we've seen what's happened in the past with players that have come in at a young age and they said, okay, this guy's going to be a superstar. And if it doesn't happen immediately, well, then you, they start getting questioned, whether it's media, whether it's fans. And young players don't need that. So uh, I have no worries about him eventually becoming a very good player for the Edmonton Oilers. Sometimes I just worry that there's too much pressure for him to do it quicker than he needs to. Yeah, I I was a little surprised at how they've talked up Bouchard, I mm-hmm. guess, for lack of a better term, in in the preseason. And, and I think they want to communicate that to the player, that they're mm-hmm. confident yep. in him and say, hey, you only played 14 games last year. That's not on you. We see your potential. You're a first-round draft pick. You're an important member of the blue line. You're going to be here a long time. You're going to run the power play, all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, Dave Tippett called him an X-factor yeah. on uh, on the blue line. Now, I hope he is. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I hope he is, and we're not going to put too much in any, any of these preseason games. But I agree, this was the toughest night he, mm-hmm. he probably definitely – from a defending yes. standpoint, definitely yes. the toughest night. I don't think there's any debate about that. Yeah, and, and I agree. And, and I just I go back to uh, Justin Schultz, who came here, who was a highly sought-after free agent from college, and he signed here. 
And then there was an, this guy's going to win a Norris Trophy. This guy's going to be great. This guy's fan. And, and all of a sudden, there's all these expectations. And we as fans, we read these things that are being said. So now when he's out there, we're like, okay, watch this. This guy, oh, wow, wow. I can't believe he gave that puck away. Oh, I can't believe. And then the boo birds start. And then eventually, poor Justin Schultz got run out of town and went on to win two Stanley Cups in Pittsburgh. And he ran a power play there. And he went on to Washington. He was a guy that the Oilers desperately could have used for a few years. So to me... Uh, Evan Bouchard is going to be a player, and he's going to be a very good player for the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, but let's not set the bar too high that he has trouble jumping over it in his first year. As you said, he played 14 games last year. He's not a, he's not been a regular NHL player yet. So let's wait till he plays regularly before we start throwing out the accolades and what his potential could be. Let's just let him find his footing here and play his game without having to worry about something that uh, he has to achieve here in the first 10, 20 games of a hockey season. Yeah, now having said that, the comparison to Justin Schultz I don't think is a complete one because when they brought in Justin Schultz, they didn't have anybody else. <laughs> I mean, Tyson Berry is, is going no, to be I, a No, I know play. that. Yeah, but I'm, I'm, not just, saying, I'm just saying to kind of complete no, but the Yeah, but I'm not saying that... Um, I'm, I'm just pointing the fact that they started saying all these great things that Justin's going to be. That's where I'm the yeah. comparison. Justin, yeah. Then Justin was put in the wrong spot. Right. Like, uh, and, and yeah. Bouchard, you know, and Bouchard maybe, won't be. And yeah, Bouchard isn't going to have to start this. That, no. That's what I'm saying. Yes, yeah, so I agree Bouchard with that. Bouchard will still start as probably the third pairing. Yeah. And where he belongs, guy. yes. You know, he's not going to have to play a lot of tough minutes defensively. Nope. I think they want CeCe to do a lot of that. B- Barry will still be the guy on the power play. We yep. do think Bouchard will be on the still mythical second unit. <laughs> it's like <laughs> still, it's like a unicorn. Yeah, there's I mean, we kind of saw it last night, but it was preseason. <laughs> yeah. There was a five-on-three last night, and Connor and Leon were on the bench. I like to see that ever happen in a regular season hockey game. Well, if you're up four or five, nothing. <laughs> I'm still not sure that's going to happen. <laughs> I still don't but believe no, that. But, uh, but I, I do think... You know Bouchard will will should be a good player. Yep, and mm-hmm. and I, I agree. do think he's going to get. I don't, like I don't think they'll they'll put him into too many situations he doesn't belong in if they can help it. No, I agree. I think it's more the words that are said, less the actions that will happen. And and but when we when we started this conversation, we were talking about how Bouchard was really good in the first game and hasn't been as good in the second. I know as a player. And I remember as a young player, every article, every conversation on a radio, everything that they say on TV, you absorb it. So you know what they're saying about you. And sometimes that just heaps a little bit more pressure on you. And unfortunately, sometimes that shows in games. Winnipeg Jets in control of this one tonight. They take down the Edmonton Oilers 5-1. You're going to hear from Warren Fogle and Cody Ceci, who jumped into action tonight. And, of course, we have open lines for you, 780-496-0063. I also got an awesome trivia question for Rob Brown. That's the first he is hearing of it. I can. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hardly wait. Oh, yeah, you're going to be thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> We're at the Friesen Brothers Broadcast Center. Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Okay, thanks for tuning in tonight. Winnipeg Jets 5, Edmonton Oilers 1 is your final. The Jets came out early. They scored 91 seconds into the game. Jansen Harkins, the first of two for him this evening. They outshot the Oilers 15-4 in the first. Evgeny Svechnikov scored 222 into the second. Pagansky had a one go in off his visor. Austin Pagansky at 7.09 of the second period. Then Harkins scored again on a breakaway on Stuart Skinner at 16.46. Malone from Cassian. Brad Malone from Zach Cassian. The only Oilers goal tonight. That was with a minute 13 left in the second period. And then Kyle Connor from Morrissey and Shifley rounded out the scoring with a goal in the uh, third period just uh, before uh, the halfway point. Warren Fogle also getting an assist on that Oilers goal, by the way, and you're going to hear from him as we move along tonight. Thanks a lot for tuning in. It's 9.06. Okay, Rob. Mm -hmm. So 
Stoffer was referencing that And you're he, talking about Bob, right? Bob Stoffer. Mm-hmm. How many Stoffers do we know? There doesn't one make like TV dinners. <laughs> isn't there? Stoff- isn't it, I think that's Stouffer's, isn't oh, it? Oh. Troy, what is it? Is it Stouffer's? It's Stouffer's okay. TV dinner. See, I get confused. I'm sure, Bob Bob's. Stoffer is familiar with TV dinners <laughs> and dinners with radio dinners, movie theater dinners. He, he would be newspaper the, he'd dinners. Be the, he'd be the hungry man one. He'd uh, have yeah. those whatever dinner you want. Bob would be, Bob would know about it. All right, so he made a reference to you being the highest scoring player in the history of the Western Hockey League, which mm-hmm. is not accurate. No. You're fourth in WHL history. Yes. You had 522 points mm-hmm. in 242 games. Yes. That's a lot. <laughs> uh, 2.15, 2.16 points per game. I got better when I became a forward. First two, first two and a half years I was a defenseman. You still had a lot of points as a defenseman. Not as many. I was better as a forward. I was a very good back-checking defenseman. I could chase guys down that had beaten. I dove a lot. That's, that's a great <laughs> phrase. I was a back-checking defenseman. Okay, so th- three guys are ahead of you on the WHL all-time scoring lead. Uh-huh. Who are they? Um, I got to admit, I'm not overly familiar with any of these guys. Glenn Goodall? Yes. I think he played six years or something like that. He's second. Yeah. Uh, did Craig Endine pass me? Hang on. i got to bring up Goodall. Uh, yes, he did. He's third, 529. He's seven points ahead of you. So I got the guys that are second and third. I got to remember who, I don't figure out who was first ahead of me. Yes. Huh. He has the last name of one of the greatest players in WHL history and NHL history, but he's not that guy. Uh, honestly, I, Sackick? Yep. Oh, yeah, it was a, it's his brother. Isn't it that Brian Sack? Brian Sack, I think that isn't that Joe's brother. I'm not sure actually. I, th- I think it we'll, is. We'll bring him up here probably. He played a long time. Actually, it's funny. I think well, I played against the first two. I think I might have played against Brian too. I'm old, so I think I played about just with against just about everybody. <laughs> uh, Brian Sackick. Yeah, is Joe's brother. Yeah, they were teammates. And he uh, never played in the NHL. He played Swift Current, Tri-City. Oh, well, he played a long time, too. Uh, played in the ECHL, the Colonial Hockey League, the UHL, and then he retired in 1999. So he had 591 points in 343 games. Yeah, he was a good junior. I do remember he was a good junior hockey player. And Glenn Goodall, I, myself and, and Greg Hogg had broke into the Western Hockey League as 15-year-olds. I know now they have the elite status or whatever it is to be able to play at that age. But Hoggy and I broke in at 15. I'm pretty sure Glenn Goodall played a few games as a 14-year-old. Oh, and he was just a little guy. He's a wee little guy. And uh, he, he was a talented player, but I, I think size back then, size mattered when it came to the National Hockey League, and he didn't have that, but a very, very smart player. Craig Endine was my exact same age as me. He was a very talented player, too. Unfortunately, he had slow boots just like I did. Well, you're, you make it sound, you're too hard on yourself. You make it sound like everybody was skating around the ice and you were 10 seconds behind the play. Well, there were times in practices. We, I remember what time in Keenan used to have this drill where he goes six laps one way, six laps the other way, and I'd be going as fast as I can. And all of a sudden, I could hear breathing behind me, and Chris Chelius on lap two was about to lap me, but Chelly was one of the best team players I ever did, and he would just skate behind me the whole time. Like, I don't even think he took a stride because he was that much faster than me. I, the first time I learned that I was really, really, really slow was when I was doing a three-on-three camp and I, Jay Bomeister, when he was just a young kid. I, I was at that point an established NHL player and he was this rookie mm-hmm. and we're doing a skating drill and I took two strides and he was already 25 feet ahead of me. And I'm like, okay, seriously, this guy is really, really fast. <laughs> Combined with my really slow was not a really good race. So the tortoise and the hare... I am the tortoise every single time. So so let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. As someone who played in the league and had to train at a very high level. Well, supposed you, to. you trained about 368 <laughs> days a year when you were in the NHL. Um, you found extra time to train. There, training in the offseason didn't really come in until l- later in my career. <laughs> you went to training camp. Well, it's funny. We're in training camp in preseason. You went to training camp to get into shape. Right. Mario Lemieux, his first day on the ice was always the first day of camp. He, he never trained in the summer. Guys would come to training camp to lose 10 pounds. 
so that they'd be ready for the regular season. So it, well, there was no training. Nowadays, I, you know, I see Jordan Eberle. We, 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 you had him on the show last night. I'd see him in the summer at a golf tournament or two, and he would have to take a day off from his training to come golf because they would take one week to two weeks off tops mm-hmm. from the end of the regular season. Then they start training. We, I mean, August 1st was the day that we really started training when I was in. When I say started training, that means, okay, I mean, just having a muffin for breakfast and I might go for a bike ride. My bike rides, I'd read the paper while I was riding the bike. So it, it, it's much different world now. And, well, I think a big part of it is money. The way that the players are played right now, you want your careers to last forever. Right. Whereas, and competition between the players. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you realize, oh, geez, the, the guy who uh, knocked us out in the playoffs last year, he worked out all summer. That's going to make well, players on that team. Yes, once certain players started training, then it just... It's kind of like the the snowball coming down the hill. Well, everyone had to get on that right. because some they were going to pass you, and and that certainly happened. As my career progressed, all of a sudden you had to start training more and more. It's funny. I, I probably shouldn't say it on air, but I trained with Norm Lacombe, and I think right now he's like, "Don't, Brownie, don't say that, please." Well, no, he's one. in incredibly good shape. He is, not? but I don't think he wants anyone to know that he was my trainer for a summer. It's probably not good for his business. He's like, "Oh my God, no!" I'll get I'll get a text from him in a little while. You shouldn't have done that. I had four guys quit today because of you. But he was my first real trainer that I had. Uh, just because that wasn't a way of life back then. It was training camp was for training, and the summer was for golfing and uh, hanging out with your buddies and maybe going to a pub or two. I, I, uh, I, I'm not going to be able to find it on just thinking of it while we're in the middle of the show here, but usually at, at training camp time, you know what, somebody DM it to me on Twitter if you know what I'm talking about it, if you know what I'm talking about. The, the people post the letter... I don't know if it was King Clancy or Con Smythe, somebody with the Leafs would write the players in the summer. Let's say you're expected to come to training camp and be able to do like 50 push-ups and 50 sit-ups, and golf tournaments will be part of training camp. <laughs> well, they always were. I mean, you when you came to training camp, even as a young kid, you were to bring your golf clubs with you. I mean, that was part of what you did. It was. Uh, it was a different world. And I've said before, back when I played, when I left Pittsburgh, in Pittsburgh, when you left the ice, between the rink and your dressing room, there were coolers of beer. And you, so we would come off the ice from the game, grab a beer as you're walking into the dressing room. That's how you would undress. And that was for the first two or three years. Then they realized, okay, this is probably not smart. But that was just the culture back then. Well, beer has stuff you need to refuel, doesn't it? <laughs> Energy, carbohydrates, well, No, it just needs water. There's sometimes when you're minus four, you need a beer after a game. So that's what it was to try and forget about it before you get in. Well, well, we've seen somebody, speaking of Twitter, somebody posted last night Perlini at the podium, and he had the, you know, the jug of something, and it actually looks like Pepto-Bismol. Oh, it's disgusting. But I've seen what, because I, I, I used to go into the Oilers dressing room after games, and when, when I was doing it, they, it was purple, like it looks like a smoothie, mm-hmm. but it's some sort of... Oh. I never asked what was in it, or if I did, I've forgotten. But it was something that supposedly helps you refuel and recover quicker. Yeah, we, we had none of that. I remember drinking Goldschlager in the dressing room after <laughs> hockey games because it had gold in it, so that's got to yeah, be good It's got to be good if but, it has gold in it. I mean, it's so different now. When you go, every player has a blender in their stall, so they make these drinks. Uh, all the teams that I've talked to as a, in the last number of years, they've got their own chefs that come and make breakfast for the players that come early, and then they try to keep the players that make the dressing room so cool with ping pong and video games and TVs and stuff, and they make lunches afterwards so the players are hanging around with each other, but they're eating healthy. Because when I played after practice, we go to, it was the restaurant in Pittsburgh, is called the Ground Round, which would be like your local pub food, mm-hmm. and you'd sit there for lunch, you'd eat wings all afternoon, and then oh, it's dinner time, we may as well sit here for dinner, and for dinner you'd have nachos and uh, onion ring. I mean, it was it was not a healthy lifestyle. Uh, you just burned enough calories off in, in practices and stuff. But uh, when they started, fitness started becoming more and more important, and the money started getting bigger and bigger, and players started hiring trainers and drinking all this yucky stuff and looking after well, themselves. I'm sure it tastes okay. I don't think it does. <laughs> Anything that's green or looks like Pepto Bismol doesn't taste good. Yeah, so I no, I disagree. How many guys smoked? Well, because Mar- Mario smoked. Well, I I've told this story probably on yeah, the show. Yeah, I'm wondering like how. Um, well, the, the, the first of all, the Muse story is a great story, so I'm not. You should, definitely should tell. Well, it was on, How many guys do you think? Um, 
uh, a third of the players did. That many, eh? Yeah, there'd be a lot, and not chain smokers. A lot of them, but they would, uh, they'd go out to a pub afterwards or out to a bar afterwards, and they'd be smoking. I remember. So on the, the on the way to the first practice I ever in my first ever training camp walking across the grass to the first ice session Mario in his full equipment because all we do is put the skates on in the rink is smoking a cigarette just before he goes on the ice and I was dumbfounded and then the first year I played with a goalie named Pat Riggin who between periods he would sit out in the hallway games that he played and he would smoke between periods and he was playing in those games and I'm like okay I, I mean I'm no health nut but I'm thinking that's got to be tough uh, and again, that was we talked earlier about how goalies nowadays are all six five six six. I mean, Pat Riggin was about five nine, two thirty, with a dart between every period. I'm like, I mean, he well, was an incredible big is Darren athlete. Pang, five five. Probably I've met Darren. Oh, he, one, and one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. I love Panger. A uh, five five, and maybe he played at 130, 140 pounds. Like, mm-hmm. he was tiny. I played against him in junior in the Memorial Cup the first time I got to meet Panger. Uh, but those guys, it's like Muggsy Bogues when he played basketball. Right. Those guys are incredible because they are uh, mismatched with the rest of the players in the team in the league. He was a little guy in, in goal that was an NHL goalie at that small. Shows you how incredibly acrobatic he was. Oilers lose 5-1 to the Jets. I actually had a question about the offseason training. So do you believe? <laughs> no, because um, Nuge, because Nuge said he had to work on on getting faster. Yep. Because he said all these young guys coming to the league, Connor and the next generation, you know who knows the guy that's faster than Connor and can handle the puck like Connor does. It'll be a while, but yeah, yeah, it'll happen. But so can you actually say so? Nuge is what going into his eleventh year. Mm-hmm. So can you in your late twenties? Can you actually get? Faster, or are you just trying to work on maybe the first couple strides I so think, you're quicker? I, I I think you're working on different muscles, fast twitch muscles. Okay. I think you're you're working on quicker feet. And I think a lot of the stuff will happen off the ice, where you'll you'll work with a a sprint coach that'll get your feet moving faster, so that when you're on the ice, now your feet move faster and your legs move faster, so that right there you're getting a little bit more quickness, uh, you get stronger. Your legs get stronger, which will make you faster, because you'll be able to. You have more power pushing. You can. I, I know that a lot of people send their kids to power skaters. I don't think power skaters and power instructors make bad skaters into good skaters, because there's a lot of kids out there going to power skating. They're not all turning out to be Paul Coffey or Connor McDavid, but you can improve. I think that's the biggest thing. So when you, I don't think a bad skater is ever going to be a good skater, but a bad skater is going to become a not quite as bad skater. A good <laughs> skater is going to become a slightly better than good skater. You can make improvements, and I think when you're at the elite level, which R&H obviously is, he's, you know, top five on his team in the National Hockey League, like he's elite, you can just get that bit faster, and when you're saying a bit faster, it's if you're running the, the 100 meters, you go from a 10-2 to a 10. It's only a little bit right. faster, but that wins a race, and that's, I think, what R&H wants to do, win some races against some of these other players who just are getting quicker and quicker every year. Oilers lose 5-1 to the Jets tonight as uh, the Jets are clearly the better team. I thought the Oilers were a little more uh, involved offensively, I would say, in the second half of the game at times, but we do it might be challenging for them to get something going Warren Fogle I thought was solid we're going to hear from him as we move along tonight and we're happy to hear from you 780-496-0063 we'll call a quick timeout it's Heartland Ford overtime open line on 630 Chet. Oilers lose 5-1 to the Jets so Edmonton's preseason record is now 2-1 they will play in Everett Washington on Friday against the Seattle Kraken, 6 o'clock face-off show game at 8 here on 6.30, Chad. Seattle in action right now in Calgary, leading 3-2 with five minutes left as we update the scoreboard for Edmonton Trailer. Looking for parts, service, rentals, or new and used semi-trailers, head to edmontontrailer.com. The Red Wings beat Chicago 4-3 in a shootout. Coyotes and Ducks 1-1 on the second period. Devils get by the Capitals 5-4. It is the Blue Jackets beating the Blues 5-2. Toronto shuts out Ottawa 4-0. Panthers beat the Stars 4-3 in a shootout. Baseball tonight, the Blue Jays beat the Yankees 6-5. Red Sox beat the Orioles 6-0. And it is, what do we have the latest in this one, Rob? No score, Oakland and Seattle. 
top of the fifth. So the wild card standings, Yankees a game up on Boston, and then Boston a game up on both Toronto and Seattle, though Seattle's either going to be a half game behind or a game and a half behind, depending on the outcome of this one. So the Jays uh, play... The Yankees tomorrow then have three against Baltimore. I would think they need to go at least three and one. Oh, I think the Jays have to go or undefeated. They, they go. I, well, because there's still there's still a game behind Boston, so yes. Boston's still in control. You need Boston yeah. to lose a couple. That's why I think you and Boston's playing against the bottom feeders of the of the American. Well, League but as the well. Jays get the Orioles next, who are the bottom of yeah and boston's playing against another bad team too okay so that i think the the, the blue jays to have a chance they have to win the the next four and even winning the next four does not guarantee might, them might not be enough no. depending on how they do exciting game tonight we were kind of watching parts of it as the as the uh orders were on on the ice uh tonight what, what do you th- so there's all these guys in camp mm-hmm. and it's like some of the players, like are the players, are the established players waiting for like tip reference night? Are they waiting for the cut down? So they're kind of like, okay, kids, <laughs> have your fun, get into a couple games, but we're kind of waiting to really get to work. Or what's do you think the mentality is like? Uh, yeah, I, I think they enjoy the beginning. They get to see all these young kids coming in. I know as a veteran, you like seeing the kids in, the excitement uh, makes it fun. But you want to get into kind of a regular rhythm. You want to start finding, okay, who are we playing with this year? Okay, here's my lineup. In practice, instead of having, you know, two practices out there or a huge gathering in one, you want to get down to the right numbers so you can have normal practices. Uh, Game day, you want it all to be, you know, knowing that you're playing tonight. This is routine. So I think, yeah, I think, the first week or so is good, but now let's get ready and start preparing for the season. So I think that's why teams more so nowadays cut down way earlier and they start practicing. Or even in, like, when I played, when you played in an exhibition game, I played with everybody. Mm-hmm. You never played with who you were going to play at the regular season till the very last game. That's when they start putting lines together. Nowadays, you come into camp, I mean, every practice... Connor has played with Hyman Pugliarvi. Yeah. And Leon's played with RNH and Yamamoto. So it's more or less, all right, here's your lines. Let's get ready for the regular season. So I think the players, they are as excited and as excited as they are, the coaches are more excited. The coaches want, they want to start implementing, uh, here's our forecheck, this, here's what we're changing on our power, this is what we're doing, our penalty killing. They want to start putting that into it and they want to do it with manageable numbers. So that when they're on the ice at practice, they can get right into the situations that they know the team has to get better at. So I think when they, and that's why most coaches that really hold their heart cards close to the vest, Dave Tippett, I mean, he, the question hadn't been finished yet, and Dave Tippett, Saturday, yep, yep. Saturday is when we're getting, <laughs> exactly what we're getting rid on. of everybody, Saturday night, and then we're going to start preparing for the regular season. Uh, KJM writing in saying, how many NHLers do you think smoke now? Uh, not cigarettes, probably very many. <laughs> We'll uh, leave that at that. Uh, uh, yeah, I think that is a great answer. Okay, uh, this question here, does Josh Archibald, this is from a listener, does Josh yeah. Archibald have a hard time getting up to speed? It sounds a lot like James Neal last year coming back from COVID. Okay, here's what Dave Tippett said earlier today about Josh Archibald. He skated for a few days, and uh, he's been going, he's having some tests done. He's... Uh, he just can't seem to get himself up to up to speed. He's not feeling like he should be. So uh, the last couple of days, he's had some testing done, and we're waiting on the results of that. But it uh, he hasn't. He's just not. He's not getting up to speed like he should be. So they want to just check and see where where he's at. So uh, he's uh, he's set back a couple of days here. Okay. And Tippett was asked as a follow up later if he has COVID, and Tippett said no. He, he because he's not vaccinated he has to get tested every day he's been negative um you know i don't know if he had it before mm-hmm. um but i i'm 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 not sure but 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 something is obviously affecting him i, I mean we're hearing duncan keith is going to come out of quarantine on saturday and probably play on monday and josh archibald has come out of quarantine and is had to get up to speed and now we're hearing there's some kind of test results that indicate he's got to work through something here yeah it uh 
I mean, the hits keep coming for him. Uh, I, honestly, we, we, t- we had a good talk about this the other day on the air. I think that any player playing on a Canadian team that is unvaccinated will have a hard time sticking with that team for the season. I just think it's too many hoops you got to jump through to make it for that player to give you as much as he can and as much as the team needs. So uh, I, I think it would be beneficial for Archibald and the Edmonton Oilers if Josh was vaccinated. All right, the Flames just tied at 3-3 with 2.27 to go. Oilers lose 5-1 to the Jets. You'll hear from Warren Fogle and Cody Ceci. Heartland Ford, overtime open line on 6.30, Chet. Just line and got it out. Cassian will dump the puck in. Tomello in behind his goal for Winnipeg. Up to Lowry. He gets checked. Loose puck. Fogel with a backhand off the arm of Hellebach. Good chance there for Fogel. All right. That's a chance for Warren Fogel. First time he wore an Oilers uniform in a game tonight. He wears number 37. Thought he played pretty well. Here he is. You know, it was, uh, it was good to get the first one done, I think. Um, you know, you think for like two months how, how the first game's going to go. New system, new group of guys. And, you know, um, you know, I thought we got better as the periods uh, came on. But, uh, you know, just one game and, you know, you just hope to build off it and, you know, try to get better and get more comfortable out there. What do you think yourself and Zach will, will, will bring to the team in terms of style of game you play on the same line yeah i think uh you know we're both big bodies and you know both can move quick and you know i think we want to play more down low and you know not so much off the rush but you know if there's plays there try to make them but you know try to create energy for the guys and you know try to you know wear the other team down Warren, what's what's been your biggest priority coming into a camp with a new team I think just trying to get comfortable you know i think the guys have been so great and you know allowing me to be part of this group and, and trying to make me as comfortable as I can and um you know they've been great and you know like i said kind of happy i got this one over with just to throw it out underneath the rug and you know move forward and you know watch some tape and you know just try to get better and you know get ready for a season opener Warren, what's the what's the biggest takeaway you know when you're going to see the same team just a few days down the road um you know i think I think these preseason games are more about, you know, ourselves, not really about the opponents, right? We're here to, you know, get together as a group and, you know, try to get better and not really focusing on the other teams. You know, it's more about us and gelling as a group and trying to find some chemistry and, and things like that. For uh, the Winnipeg Jets, ice uh, mainly an NHL roster while you guys came with a lot of younger guys. What's the, maybe the lesson for the young guys on this roster coming out of a game like this and not to get too demoralized? after a result like that. Yeah, you know, I thought the guys worked hard and, you know, they had a couple of lucky bounces there, but, you know, you, you, you try to finish those games hard and I thought we came out pretty hard in the third and, you know, we didn't give up and, you know, if you keep trying to get better each shift, you know, everything's about, like, the process, you know, not the final result and we're building to, to get ready for the, the season opener. All right, that is Warren Fogel who was traded for Ethan Bear in the offseason, and he played mostly with Ryan McLeod and Zach Cassian tonight, and they certainly Cassian and Fogel, you could tell they were veterans in the lineup. They had a pretty good game for the most part. Uh, they assisted on the Oilers' only goal tonight. Brad Malone scored late in the second period as the Oilers lose 5-1 to the Winnipeg Jets. I asked Fogel last night during the intermission, I said, you know, you were, you were leading the NHL in penalties drawn that one year, and he said, yeah, then after that... <laughs> not getting as many penalties called against me. Yeah, no, it's it's one of those guys, shh, don't tell anyone, yeah. please, please. Uh, and then they say, all right, we're going to put our whistle away on this guy. I He does get penalties drawn simply because he goes to dirty areas and he forces the issue with hard drives to the net. And either he gets through or someone has to give him a little tug or a little pull, and that's where the arm goes up for the referee. Uh, I think first look of at Fogel as an Edmonton Oiler, very good. He uh, He's played well, so hopefully going forward, he's going to be a big part of this team and solidify a third line that the Oilers can put out there and feel comfortable with. You know, overtime now. We got Seattle and Calgary on one of the big screens here in the hockey studio at 6.30, Chet, so a little... Uh Little overtime. We didn't, you know, we didn't talk about last night. It was the shootout that wasn't a shootout. <laughs> that was kind of funny. Well, my favorite part about it was when Tyson Berry scored in a shootout that didn't mean anything. Then he did the old fake celebration, the old Nintendo, like, woo, woo, 
I just scored a goal that means absolutely nothing. But it was actually was kind of neat though seeing who uh, was thrown out there late in the in the shootout and a couple defensemen going Barry with a nice move. Well, uh, we we should bring up why we're talking about this because Rob and I off air the other night started talking about the potential shootout lineup for the Oilers now that they appear to be a little deeper up front. And we started listing off potential candidates in our head. So what they did last night after the game, if you missed this, was, and some teams are doing this in the preseason if both teams want to do it, they have a shootout regardless of the score. So just to practice them. So 6 nothing win for the Oilers. They, they have a shootout. And it went five rounds. Nobody scored until Barry scored. And then Vince Dunn was stopped for Seattle. So that ended it. So it went McDavid, Dreisaitl, Yamamoto, Nugent Hopkins, and Barry. Now, uh, Hyman didn't go. And you would expect him. Um, Derek Ryan, will he be a shooter for the Edmonton Oilers? Pugliarvi? I don't know if Ryan would be in the top six guys if shootouts even last that long. They don't often. No, um, I don't know. I, I Honestly, I've never seen Derek Ryan in a shootout, so I don't know. Uh, does uh, Pugliarvi get an opportunity in a shooter at some point? I would think so. I I would too. Um, I mean, you could just have the top two lines go and then bury. <laughs> There's that's 13, and then you could have Bouchard come in as number. Oh no, sorry, the top two, the top two lines. So the top six, six. forwards, and, and then, then Barry. Barry would be seventh, and then Bouchard come in and take a slap shot from the hash marks. Actually, right. maybe send him or first, send nurse. a message. Do yeah. <laughs> first, just, yes, just drive it through him. Um, there's normally someone on your team that is uh, unknown. That is kind of uh, flies under the radar. Well, that's like got, the test two. Yeah. That and then has, we realize, like, oh, he's 40%. Yeah, that's same move really, really good at, at shootouts. Well, in all the years that the Sedins were in Vancouver, two of the greatest players that played in the National Hockey League and the two best Vancouver Canucks in their history, they didn't take shootouts, which I always found was weird because I figured at some point... They didn't have good percentages. Well, they didn't, but then eventually they just stopped letting them shoot. Yep. I'm like, okay, seriously, you're putting guys out there I've never heard of like, let the scene. They might actually fall into the net and score a goal because they're that talented. <laughs> but, yeah, so it's not always just your best players. There are some guys that have that are sneaky. There's always a defense. Well, who was the guy that was a defenseman that played was it with the Dallas Stars? He was a D-man that I think he scored on 13 of 14 one year. He just he had two moves. I can't remember. That. He was a European kid. So there are some guys out there that are pretty... Derek Ryan's only taken three shots. Has he scored? He's scored on one of them. Well, that's 33%. That gets you... Uh, that's not bad. That gets you about $3 million a year nowadays. Uh, 7804960063. Oilers lose 5-1 to the Winnipeg Jets. You'll still hear from Cody Cece. This is Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. 5-1 Oilers lose to the Jets. Boy, the umpire just got drilled here in the Oakland-Seattle game. Tough sport being an umpire. He took a he took about a hundred mile an hour fastball right in that forehead, sent him backwards. Catcher had to help him up. We'll see what the next next pitch if he gives him a strike, I mean, or a ball because the pitcher just hit him in the head. I, I guess bet she calls a ball even if it's right down the middle. Send a message. <laughs> He holds a grudge, this guy. I don't understand. I remember he holds a grudge. You just hit me in the head. I'm going to call your next strike a ball on purpose. He's wearing, and it's, he's one of the um, few umpires that wears a goaltender hockey mask. Yeah, he's got the goalie mask on. Saved his life. The thing is, that that would be impossible to get out of the way from. Foul tip straight back to your face. Well, I don't think even if the there was nobody there, I don't think you'd get out of the way. 100 mile an hour fastball coming out your head. But the, didn't that one get ticked by the bat? I think it hit the the catcher's glove, oh, too. Oh, it was off the catcher's glove, sorry. Okay. Anyway. 780-496-0063. Oilers lose 5-1 to the Winnipeg Jets. They are off tomorrow. They uh, No practice, anything like that. And then uh, they, have, they, have to, they have to get two days off during training camp, so that'll be the one. And then they play Friday and Saturday. I think Tippett referenced earlier this week probably a special teams focus practice on Sunday, play uh, Monday, Thursday, Saturday next week into a shootout between Seattle and Calgary. Seattle has uh, scored on its first shot after the Flames were stopped on their first shot, so we'll give you keep you updated on that one. I, like, I know oil country's rooting against the Flames, <laughs> in a, even in a preseason. Well, that was a nice me, move. Preseason game. Nice move by McCann for the Seattle Kraken as they take a one nothing lead in the shootout. Alright, let's go back to Winnipeg. Here's Oilers defenseman Cody Ceci. Just maybe categorize the night uh, for your spot. Um, yeah, I mean, just 
personally, it's good to get a game in. Uh, you've kind of been sitting around all summer, so it's nice to get back on the ice in a competitive atmosphere. And um, yeah, they had some some good players in, in their lineup, but I mean, we, we had some good players too. So uh, it was just fun to get back out there. On an individual basis, how would you categorize Game One for your new team like today? I mean, just trying to get my feet wet again, get back into to game mode. Uh, it's a longer season than the last couple of years coming up. So, um, yeah, I was just uh, trying to get back into it and get ready for the season. Is it tougher for a defenseman who hasn't played a game in exhibition than a forward who's maybe coming back in? Like Cassian and Warren can go in there and forward check and pound a few people, but as a defenseman, it's a little difficult, more difficult for a defenseman. Uh, I don't think so. I mean, we all have our own positions, and... Uh, it's, uh, it's hard for everyone just to get back into it, but I mean, uh, yeah, they, they had a strong lineup tonight. They outplayed us and capitalized on a few chances that we gave them. So, um, yeah, it was just uh, it was nice to get back out there, and uh, or it was nice to see those guys out there too, for checking and uh, have a little chemistry and see how hard they work down low together. Played a long time. What do you exhibitions? One night you win six nothing, the next night you lose five one just because of the, of the differences in lineups too. I mean, players are coming in and out. I guess you realize as a veteran player, that's the way it is. Yeah, that's the way it is. And in, in preseason, uh, you're not going to have all your guys going every single night. Uh, there's other guys that have to get get games in, get experience, and uh, you, we could need uh, need some guys down the stretch. So it's important for everyone to, to get a chance to play. Looking forward to Duncan Keith coming back. So you might be prepared with Duncan Keith. Yeah, definitely. A stupid question, but I'm sure you are. Definitely looking forward to uh, getting a chance to, to play and practice with him. Uh, he's been around a long time. He's won cups. He's uh, a great defenseman. So looking forward to uh, to seeing him in the lineup and with the team. All right, a little bit there from Cody Cece of the Edmonton Oilers who fall 5-1 to the Winnipeg Jets tonight. Rob and Capilano, wasn't it Merrick Malik, the defenseman with the good shootout percentage, or am I confusing him with the D-man that pulled off an unbelievable move in a marathon shootout one night? Yeah, he was That's the guy. That's the guy. The 14-rounder for the Rangers. That Did, was, did Jason play Stroud, in that game? Jason Stradwick shot in that shootout, too, I believe. Um, I, I believe that he was just ahead of Malik in, the, in shooting that night. Or that's the story that Strud's has told me time and time again. <laughs> okay, so the longest shootout in the NHL now, uh, December 16th, 2014, 20 rounds between the Capitals and the Panthers. But that one was Rangers Capitals, was it not? It was the Rangers. The, wasn't Kolzik the goalie? Uh, that I don't know, but it was Malik was the guy that did. And he did the, didn't he do the Forsberg? No, I think he went under his leg. Is that how right? he did it? Flicked it that he way? did something silly yeah, and scored. That was the 15th round. Uh, and that was, oh my goodness, my computer says I've been selected for a special offer. Seriously? Somebody oh, needs click on it. Click stuff. on it and yeah, give, and give yeah. your visa to oh, sometimes. Oh, definitely click it on that. Yeah, they need postage for you to, to send it to you, so that's a good idea. <laughs> well, I'm not going to get off that website. Um, oh, well, when I played in the minors, we used to play against Vegas, and Vegas's coach was Marty McSorley's brother, Chris. And what Chris McSorley would do in games that were tied with less than a minute to go, he would send all his players, except for four, to the dressing room so that if there was still tied after three shooters, he would be able to go back to his first shooter because he always said that all those other players were sick. So we would have to use our fifth, sixth defenseman and shoot, and Chris McSorley's Vegas Thunder would only have three, four guys on the bench, and they'd just keep going again, going again because he um, was a little sneaky and smart. I'm just trying to see if I can get the actual shootout report. Well, if my buddy Strud's wasn't in bed already, I would text him. But, I mean, at his age, he's in bed way earlier. That was a 15-round shootout, but it it eventually has got eclipsed as the the longest shootout ever. But it was, yeah. So I can't remember. Maybe it was a four, but it was one guy that I think he played for Dallas, then he went to Florida. And he was a Swedish guy that was unbelievable in shootouts. And he was a reason you could keep him in the NHL just because he was so good in shootouts. He'd get extra points because of Well, it's not of the him. guy we had here. It might have been. Briefly. What was his name? Oh, uh, I kept the, the, remember, that's what I'm asking. He got traded for Camilleri. No, no. Troy said his name Schlaps. No, I, I can't believe it. He, he, was, he played a ton in the NHL. I can't believe I'm forgetting his name. Um, yeah, and he was really, really good. A, J- 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 Jokinen. 
Yes, you, yes, no, UC, no, UC, UC Okunin, UC Okunin, who was unbelievable when he first came in. He never missed in shootouts. He had yes, two uh, moves. Traded from Edmonton to LA for use for uh, Camilleri and Okunin were traded for each other on November 14, 2017. That's how the Oilers. Now, here's the thing, though. Uh, UC Okunin's. I, I so I've looked up here. He must have had just one good season because I went to the NHL site and it has the best shootout percentages of all time. Minimum uh, 10 career attempts. Pateri Mm -hmm. Numelin for Minnesota, who played about 12 years ago, went 8 for 10 in shootouts. He's the all-time winner. Panarin is the top active guy. He's at 61.5%. Oh, that's pretty good. The best player who ever played for the Oilers, Rob Shrimp, 9 out of 17. He's 12th all-time, but not all of those would have been with Edmonton. Um, The best shootout player who would have taken most of his attempts for the Oilers just without looking them all up would have been Horkoff, 27th all time. He was 11 for 23, 47.8%. Which is amazing he didn't take as many as he should have because he was actually very good at it. He was? Yeah. Okay, well now I got to get Jokinen's stats. Because it might have been just one year. Well, he was in Dallas and he was incredible that year. Uh, and like his Wikipedia page talks about he was a shootout specialist. Well, Hockey Reference has the shootout stats. I'm just sorting it here. Okay, we'll just talk amongst ourselves while you do that. Well, no, but it is interesting because you wouldn't keep a guy on a, on a team for that. Well, I mean, but it would give, it'd give you a leg up. If two guys are pretty close in what they can give you during the 60 minutes, but one is so incredible in shootouts, he, I would keep him over the other guy simply because now you got another role for him. Just like being a power play guy, penalty killing guy. Uh, a shootout guy. How many how many teams over the last number of years have missed the playoffs because they were terrible in overtime and shootouts? Okay, you see Jokinen. Mm-hmm. Um, was I, I? I don't know. He took a lot of shots. He took sixty-seven career shootout shots and scored on twenty of them. Thirty percent. So, what was he known for? He started the first three. The, the first year there were shootouts. He was five for twelve. Really. And then the next year he was four for nine. So, so, so he start, almost, started off almost fifty percent, and yeah. then he was two for ten, two for six, one for one. They figured two out two for his nine, two for twelve. So I, he was the first guy maybe to be known as a guy that could yeah. as almost fifty. The, be, 50 in the, the best shootout guy ever, and it may not be percentage wise but scored the prettiest shootout goals in the history of the NHL is Pavel Datsu. Okay, Glenn the bartender says Jokinen started 9 for 9. Okay, there you but go. that doesn't make sense, though, if the first year he was yeah, but 5 if, for 12. I don't know. I kind of believe anything that Glenn the bartender says. So if a bartender tells me something, it's got to be But there is something like... But the, no, I know Glenn texts in all the time. He, he's, he's on Well, that's what I, I do remember. It was something freaky that this guy was that good. And good news for Toronto but it Blue Jays fan. Is, is no, over his career. no, good news for Toronto Blue Jays fan. Oakland is up one nothing at Seattle. The Seattle Mariners, I believe, are tied right now with the Toronto Blue Jays in the wild card standings. Uh, yeah, at, at one point, Jokinen was the leader in shootout goals, uh, and he had forty six percent. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, it is rookie season. You're right. He was 10 out of 13. Yeah, that's, yeah. I knew there was one year, like, but he was silly. Why doesn't it have it? Oh, because I'm looking at, he was traded. No, wait a minute. Anyway, Glenn was right. He, start, he started 9 for I, 9. I, I think I said that Glenn is always right, because he's a bartender. Right. And they know more than most people. Okay. Yeah, he scored on his first nine attempts, uh, and for a while he was leading with uh, go. Okay, there we go. Uh, somebody wrote in, said, and Rob says uh, Sam Gagne was pretty good too. He had a couple clever little moves. Well, this is the thing with Sam Gagne. He had the one move that he did all kinds of stuff with his stick and, and would deke the goaltender, and it was incredible. And he kept scoring time and time again. Then he changed his move, and it was almost like, you know what, I better get a second move. But they hadn't figured out his first move yet. And then he, when he went to the second movie, he was never successful. And he went from, you know, dynamite to, mm-hmm. huh, we'll make him our fourth or fifth shooter because he's not scoring anymore. And it was all, he just changed the move that was working and went to something different. To me, it's like if, if they can't figure it out, well, don't figure it out for them. Just keep doing it until someone proves you wrong. So, But he was very, very good when he started Sam Gagne. Jeremy from Glendon says, uh, hey, guys, can we give Brad Malone 
some love. The guy knows he's not going to play here, but still gives his all. Plays for the love of game. The love of the game knows his roles to teach the young guys in Bakersfield what they need to do to make the jump to the pros. Awesome that Malone got rewarded for his hard work. Hopefully, it gives him a jolt of energy when he goes back to Bakersfield on Saturday night. Apparently, Sip <laughs> <laughs> Cherby from uh, Glendon. Yeah, uh, Malone was good, and Malone, his ceiling is only so high but he reaches it every time he plays the game. Uh, he is a consummate professional, and he's a guy that you want around your prospects down in the minors because he shows them the proper way to play the game. Well, and he talked about really supporting Yamamoto and saying when he got called up, saying, I'll miss you, but I hope I never see you here. Yeah, no, it's true. He uh, he's, he's Crash Davis. Wasn't that the name of the baseball player the, that, what's his name, played? The uh, Costner, Costner played, Bull right? Durham. Yeah, wasn't, that Crash, wasn't he Crash Davis? I think so. Yeah, so he's a Crash Davis. Or was, too, was that Tim Robbins? I don't know. I wanna. think it was Costner. I think so, too. That's what we're going to go with. Oz says the Hendricks Paralyzer, the best shootout move ever. Well, it did work a couple of <laughs> yeah, times. I, I don't know I if, it fooled, uh, if it fooled <laughs> a lot of goalies after the first couple. but It was good, though. It was, we got excited it every was time dramatic. we saw I could lift yeah. that back leg and... Fake that shot. Uh, but, I mean, Letestu did the same thing over and over again. He brought down the puck in front of him, mm-hmm. and then he moved it to his forehand and shot to the far side. Mm-hmm. And as you always said, if he hits the shot, it's probably going in. Well, I, my, I had one move when I had one shootouts. I took slap shots from the hash mark. I go under the bar, and I, if I hit my spot, the goalie couldn't stop it. It was a slap shot from 10 feet out. The best shootout person I've ever seen is a, a guy named Patrice Lefebvre. I played against him in the minors, and uh, I don't think I've ever seen a miss. He'd just go down, and he'd always go backhand, and he'd go, like, literally knock the water bottle off every single time. And the goalie knew he was coming, because we would tell our goalies, okay, this is what this guy's going to do. He goes, I know what he's doing. I just can't stop it. <laughs> and he was a kid. He, I think he was about five foot four. and the Washington Capitals actually brought him up, and he played a game in the National Hockey League to give him a chance. All right. Oilers lose 5-1 to the Winnipeg Jets. You can get more on this game on globalnews.ca or 630ched.com. Brad Malone did get the only Edmonton goal tonight. The Jets dressed a stronger lineup, and they certainly asserted themselves for most of the game. The next game broadcast on 630ched is a face-off show of 6 p.m. on Friday. The game is at 8. Oilers play the Seattle Kraken in Everett, Washington. Bob Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. All have inside sports from 6 to 8. Thanks to Troy Bowler, our game day engineer, and to Angie Quinnell, our studio producer this evening. We've been in the Friesen Brothers Broadcast Center. This has been Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Have a great night. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.